0: hello everyone and welcome to another edition of stephen the warman writes Kickfighting podcast show i'm your host stephen the warman you are listening to this podcast in one of a few ways either you are at my blog which is lordgaul.podbean.com, or you are on the itunes search engine just enter warman Kickfighting show and my show pops right up so been gone for a little while so i'm going to do a state of the game episode basically I'm going to try to talk about all the promotions and uh, just talk about the state of kickboxing and where it is. First things first, it's always good to come in hot, and this was a really good card to come after uh, the big showdown between Superlek, uh, Kit Mun 9 and Rotang tang Jit of course, uh, has come up short in a decision as Superlek was able to get a knockdown in the second round. Basically, the flow of the fight was all Rotang. He, uh, right from jump, um, he was aggressive, aggressive with his boxing. Uh, he looked for low kicks. I thought that Superleg had some moments leading the dance, but then Rod Tank found his flow really, really fast. Clearly, a big part of the story is size. Uh, Superlek missed weight by five pounds. They. Um, uh, one championship, it's interesting. So basically what will happen is they've got these hydration clauses. Now they should. Uh, they, of course, if you guys know back in the day, they had a champion die making weight. Uh, it was a mixed martial arts fight. So what they've done is they just kind of renamed the weight classes. So it's just what would be 155 uh, lightweight for UFC is featherweight for them. So, But the main thing that they have is... They have these rehydration clauses, things that you are able to do or else you're unfit to fight. Like it wouldn't be to the benefit, to your benefit to kind of keep it going. So that's a big part of this. So basically what happened or what's going to happen, you know, with these individuals or or with these kind of results, it's if you don't get what you, you know, if a guy's not going to make weight, what they'll do is they'll just change the fight. They'll change it to a catch weight. Now, again, that can be at a disadvantage of one of the athletes for sure. So uh, in the various fights that they've done, sometimes it hasn't mattered at all. Still a good fight. Still looked like skill was determiner. In this particular fight, Superlek looked bigger. I mean, he was already fighting bigger, but he looked bigger than the two. So shout out to Ratang, always down to fight, and it's probably the reason why he's, you know, the name right now in Muay Thai in the world. Uh, But, man, they they put on... A great, great show. I mean, before I even get into the action further, it is what you want to see if the world is looking at you. And uh, I think I saw the stream and there's, you know, well over, you know, a million people have, you know, got to watch this. And that's really cool. Uh, But like the big thing that I want to stress is as we try to build kickboxing, Muay Thai, uh kick fighting moving forward we've got to have opportunities like this and they've got to put on shows like this so no matter what you feel about the weight, no matter what you feel about um the result of it this is what you want you want the best fighting the best and for it to look its best you know that's so so important uh it just katie taylor when she fought srano It wasn't just that there were a lot of eyes on the girls and that they sold out Madison Square Garden it's that the fight was memorable was awesome like if you were there before if you never seen women's fighting and you saw that you go okay I want to follow these young ladies I want to follow their career and that's kind of what you had here clearly Rotang is the name and super and there was a lot of excitement and guys on my DM are asking me questions about this going in and I go well it's just going to come down to, uh, I thought Superlex size was going to be a, a, an advantage for him. But, you know, the speed and the aggressiveness of ra means that he has a chance against anybody walking the planet. That helps him so much that he doesn't mind getting hit. And he's just going to bring the violence. And he did so here. First round, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, he got got into his flow early. He was doing a good job of catching arms and finding elbows. He's a good job of starting combos with elbows. Uh, he He had a sporadic kick here and there. He plays power. But Superleg was able to see most of that, so the kicking game didn't get him as much. But then... He caught, he caught close the distance, caught him with an elbow that came down the the middle of the forehead. Good size cut, plus the hair is dyed on Super Lex, so it looks even worse. So the crowd just goes nuts when this gets stopped to look at the cut. So they restart the fight, and the action begins uh, more the same. I think that uh, he tried to get a. Kick game. So almost like Superlek tried to revert back to okay. Let me use my mind a little bit, but it's too late. Once Ratang saw the blood, he was just moving forward. So I think it was pretty clear that Ratang won round one. Round two is interesting. I think Ratang came out doing extremely well as usual, and then there was a moment where uh, Superlek, who like I said before, was playing a lot more of the kick game. Um, they really don't uh, allow for a um, long clinch and one championship. I'll get to that later, but uh, he did a good job of. Being aggressive and a spot where he landed an elbow. Now the view they didn't show the replay a lot. I would have loved to see more replays of this this sequence that got the knockdown but I couldn't tell if the elbow landed super clean or on the shoulder, but for sure, for sure, Rateng was off balance and kind of like retreating away because of how he's been kind of being pushed, like that's what the posture was. So as the elbow was followed by the kick, the ref did a good job in this situation. He separated him before he started to count. He looked, he looked for help. And that's what those guys on the sideline are for. I think everybody gives the ref all the, you know, um, responsibility. But it's okay for a ref, a wise ref to, you know, like here in Vegas, right now I'm in Vegas getting ready to work a fight, um, go to a replay, or going to a guy who's on the outside, what's the count at? That stuff is really, really important. So I think that at least, even if you don't like the decision, it was an educated decision. He looked over and asked. I need help here. I'm not quite sure what happened. And he decided to do the count, and then they went back to the action. Uh, there wasn't enough time in the round for Ratang to do anything significant. So you can say 10 8 for Super Lake. Round three, Roteng fought as if he'd been losing the whole night. He came out with fire. Elbows were flying, combos were flying, power kicks here and there, uh, mostly about with the boxing. Um, I think that Super Lake. Still had moments, but the uh the feel of the fight, uh, as I mentioned before when I tweeted about this a moment ago, the feel of this fight was superlek was fighting back, whereas ratang was was bringing the war. He was fighting to kill, and he was really aggressive. Put on an awesome show. Uh I think he wins that round. It's unfortunate. The number one thing that the weight miss robbed us was of five rounds. Because you get five rounds, I think that. It would have been a good opportunity for Ratang to separate himself and to come back from a knockdown, but he wasn't able to do so. The scorecards went in the way of Superleck. A lot of people are upset about this online. You know, I'm looking at the tweets. A lot of people feel like some people have Ratang winning all three rounds. The knockdown you have to take into account, but they they feel like he won all three rounds. Um, a lot of people had two rounds to one. Uh, I saw you know a lot of one and three scores at minimum. I was expecting to see more draws, and there was no draws. Most people were just so impressed by how Roteng brought the war that they wanted him to win. And uh, shout out to Superlek for finding his moment. He's able to get that knockdown. But uh, overall, I think people came away from this feeling like Rattang was kind of screwed. And that's just kind of the feel looking at Twitter. And it was still an awesome fight, and I'm sure they can do it again. Uh, you know, if Chachri's going to, you know, have one of those moments where he does something for the people wouldn't be a bad idea to do this rematch but right away don't wait on much you know a long time do this one i was surprised this fight didn't make their amazon card because amazon's got a good reach and um it's the kind of thing that you want people in the u.s to see for whatever reason they weren't able to put it on that card i popped up in the morning and saw this but it was awesome so before I leave this this fight, the other thing I want to talk about is something I mentioned before, the idea of this modified Muay Thai being the best Muay Thai. And it's so clear that we're in a different era of Muay Thai for sure. Uh, and I'll talk about it with, you know, I'm going to talk about uh, Raja Stadium. I'm going to talk about some fights from there too. When we were in the golden age of Muay Thai, if we were to look at the, you know, the 90s mostly, um, you had some really talented farangs going in there that added to the flavor. Uh, they had their own styles. You know, your Raymond Deckers, um, your Danny Bells, they had their own styles. Um, the main thing is the way people fought, you know, the elbow fight, you know, uh, with Fairtex. And, and, you know, it's just the way the flow of things where if you get this opportunity, you let it go. You you go out there, you try to go for the stoppage. You try to, you know, action's important. The betting, uh, round one was hot back then, you know, like it was different. Then as we got into the 2000s to at least 2016, I would say that the game changed. More people were playing the clinch and they were playing the points. So uh, guys who, you know, kind of fought with their mind, you know, Tuk, uh those guys were out there, and then of course you had um, you know your clinch guys. You know, uh, Sam uh, Sam a is another example of a guy who plays with his mind. Um, Orno, the guys who really it was upstairs where they got it done. You know, like they were able to play slick, play counter, and then the betting changed things. So now people are a little bit slower in rounds one and two, not to give too much stuff away, and then rounds three and four and uh, half of five they went for it, and then there was a decision. So that dominated. And again, you still produce some really good fighters from that era, but even in that era, if you were to say, hey, what fighter performed the best or or had the biggest, who was the biggest star of that era of fighting? And as popular as Sanchai was, I would for sure say it was Anawad. Anoa was for sure with his aggression, with his boxing, he was the most exciting. Like he'd close the distance. And I love me some Yotzinclair. Yotzinclair was dope. And he's probably the best international Muay Thai fighter of that era. And I don't think that he played the game and played decisions. He played his power leg, and when you came, he had the counter boxing with the right hook. So I would say that he would be number 2 among that list. And he didn't fight a play the game slick style, you know, like a Norpole type style. Um but Ottawa brought something. He brought the, the people who always wanted to see him fight because they go, he's either going to lose on points, you know, because he's going to lose in the clinch or he's going to lose the body kicks, or he's going to win by KO. So I would say when he was sports writers, you know, Muay Thai Fighter of the Year back-to-back, it's because of that, because he brought that, 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 that violence, and it separated him. So then flash forward to one championship, and they didn't do this originally. They let that clinch fly. But Chachri has prioritized, I want to see more stoppages. So the MMA gloves going on for one championship, going on those, that's that's part of it. So the MMA gloves, the smaller gloves does help. But also building on the smaller glove part is the fact that they have a limited clinch. And a lot of the fights were three rounds instead of five. Five is only for championships. And then the, the message out there is this. If you want this opportunity that pays more, you got to come with the kill. You got to come and go after people. It's it's a message that they send the fighters before they go into the get the opportunity. We want you to go out there and try to maim the other guy. Um, Vinny Shorman said this to me once. He said, if you're that much better than the other guy, then get him out of there as opposed to playing the game. So the culture of Muay Thai has been shifted by the one championship rules. Now, Raja still allowed some clinch, but they're looking for really active, active clinch. Right now, the game has changed to, we want all the Muay Thai weapons, but we don't want them to be halted by the clinch action. And there are some people out there that are very against this. They love the clinch, it's part of the dance, it's part of what makes Muay Thai beautiful, it's part of the fight, they love that. Uh, They don't like that you have to be aggressive and because you know, sometimes you can find the opportunities just in playing the back foot. You can find your counter, you can find your high kick. It shouldn't, everything shouldn't just be forced. So a lot of people are traditionalists and they are battling, but even those individuals, they probably just fell in love with Muay Thai over that 2000 to, uh, you know, um, 2016, 17 period. So it makes sense to me that they would hold true to that, you know. But I look at the attention that the One Championship is getting, it is big. And Ra-Tang, and I'm going to go ahead and make this argument, I know, once again, Senchai has got the better history. And Senchai is the better overall fighter. But walking the planet right now, ra the biggest star in Muay Thai. This isn't. This is without question. And for your biggest star to put on a fight like that, that was just awesome. So they had Takuru in, in attendance, and uh, uh, you know I'm gonna go ahead and bring this up just because I saw it. Somebody made a meme about Dana White making a post about how there's not the money in kickboxing that there is in MMA, I'm just paraphrasing, he says, one year you are going to see one of them make an, a, an event that's going to bring in like $25 million in revenue or 20, I forget whatever number he did, but someone then of course made a meme, letting him know that when Tenshin fought Takuru, it did the, that kind of number, it sold out to Tokyo Dome, it's Probably the most successful event in the history of kickboxing was just last year, so here we are. We're looking at another opportunity. Takuru was in attendance uh, as Ratang goes out there and uh, gets the you know gets the unfortunately decision loss. But I think they need to build towards that. So go ahead, get get tension or uh, get Takuru some opportunities to really uh, put on a good show. Um, you know, a couple of fights to showcase him, just so your audience sees him. Same thing, everybody knows ra maybe he fights one more. And then they've got to try to make the Japan thing happen. This fight will not be as big if it's not in Japan. Um, That's just it, period. Uh, So if they can make it happen in Japan, now it's difficult. Japan, just like America, just like Texas, the state that I'm from, it's old money. It's old, you know, they're, they're an old boy system. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody works through these certain individuals. So if you come in and you try to do your own thing and skip the the people who've been running the house all this time, you're going to have some trouble. So that's why, if you guys notice, you haven't seen Chachuri in Japan for a long time since that first show. You can't be cutting these guys out. You've got to work through and with Japan. You don't get to just come in and, you know, pay site fees and put on shows. No, 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 They got judges that are working. they used to work in certain events. Refs that are used to work in certain events. When you go to a place, you got to go by the house rules. And I think that that's been the struggle, and that's why he hasn't been back. So I do hope that he is able to work it out with the locals, you know, with the people who are there. And this really builds. he should do it for advertising alone. He should have, hey, I need some partners with Japanese advertisements and connections to make the fight between these two bigger because that's what it's going to take. Because that's what made the match so great. It wasn't just the fact that they're both Japanese born, uh, it, I mean, which is huge, but it was the fact that they were in two different companies and they build themselves up just like what you have here. Takuru build himself K-1, Rateng built himself one championship. And the buzz was there, and they started the promotions, and then they started the little video ads, and they started, you know, uh, pictures of them when they were young and where they trained. Like, the whole build-up to this is, these are the two guys that you want to see fight. And they, they put on a great show. So that's what's needed. That is what's needed for this to be big. Because Rattang and Superlek, that was cool. But I noticed it's like Muay Thai people who knew about that. And again, we it still killed it, you know, as far as streaming goes. But we got to build on that. If we're going to do Takaru, and uh, that could be your Amazon Prime. No matter when you put it on the air, that could be your Amazon Prime for the U.S. audience. Clearly having everything on YouTube is dope. It's cool to have it free. But platform matters. And if you don't know about one championship and they're streaming you will only get the you know beyond kickboxing clips of the uh edits that they make so you just gotta be conscious of that kind of stuff but this is a great fight raw looks good in defeat like after the fight's over with everybody feels like rotating still won and now it's just about building towards the super fight that you have and uh hopefully they do it right they put it together right and they'll have a huge huge show so Going to go ahead. Like I said, there's too many shows for me to be breaking down every individual fight. Uh, you know, I can, of course, mention, you know, a couple of the other winners. Um, Wang Tai gets a you know, decision, uh, unanimous decision victory. seksong got a, got a unanimous decision victory. Uh, Kulub Dom got a uh, TKO established by the ref. Um, there are other fights on the card. Uh, of course, you know. There's always going to be some some quality KOs, you know. Uh, Sun I got a KO. There's always going to be some Miguel Trinidad uh, got a KO. There is always going to be that one championship cards. I don't want to rest in it. I really wanted to focus on the top of the card, and then I want to go ahead and look at some of the other results. So K1 got the copyright for the um, K1 International. So they. They've announced to the world they're going back to doing international competition. They're going to bring in more foreign names. uh, And they did it immediately. Like They announced it, and here goes their first card. So number one is always good to to hear my guy, Mike Chavello, on the commentary. Uh, Awesome, awesome that he has been a part of the growth and just my identity in kickboxing. I connected it to his voice. He's that special of a contributor. And the fact that he's out, uh, go ahead, um, hit him up. He's got his own podcast, uh, you know, where he talks about uh, the, the fights, that how he voiced and how he commentated on certain events. So definitely check that out. But to see Mike Chavello back in this role, Promoting the best in the world. It was just awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, the card, numbers-wise, uh, as far as what the crowd looked like and so on, slow build. Slow build. Didn't come off with a huge crowd. They didn't do a huge stadium. They had an okay crowd because you got to introduce some guys. And then some of the guys who they expected to have towards the end ran into some awkward defeats. Um, but still, awesome action. I'm going to go ahead and jump into the tournament uh lucy was able to get a you know win the whole tournament um i can go ahead and go down fight by fight uh the claudio Estrade uh was the italian fighter who was slanging them things he he threw very few kicks but he just came out he reminded me of ben edwards just throwing these kill shots you know getting in close throwing throwing big shots and it's crazy because most italians don't fight that way most italians Play the tie game, they play the back foot, uh, you know, the lead foot, looking for you know, teeps and switch kicks and body kicks and and tie ups. He was aggressive, he was, he's Ben Edwards, he was Italian Ben Edwards, getting in close, throwing them things. He gets a TKO in round one, uh, over Mamad Satari. Next, you had Senna Kuramein against Karam Jamai, uh, TKO by punches in the third round. Senna is the guy who he's fought for them a lot. Reigning champion. This was called an open way tournament. So he's a waning champion in what would be kind of the light heavyweight ish divisions. So he gets the victory and moves on. Ariel Machado gets a, a victory in the extra round over uh, Michelle uh, Turinsky. Not the most memorable of battles, but it was cool to see Machado get this opportunity. Of course, you know, he fought uh, in glory, and uh, it's cool to see that he stayed with kickboxing. Um, Lucy gets a victory over Valentin burning in by KO with, with the right hook. He had already had him hurt with the low kicks. Lucy played uh, a very heavy calf kick game throughout. And uh, he just, he has very strong legs, really confident in his shins. He was just cracking away. Um, that leads us to the uh, filler fights. Uh, Tomoya... Uh, Yokoyama gets a, a victory over Yuki Agawa. Uh, Agawa still tough. Yokoyama is, is super talented. Um, I'm curious to see how they build on this. Nice fight, but builds everything. Like, it, or is, is what you're doing going to make Yokoyama a bigger star after getting this kind of victory? But we'll see. Taito Junji uh, gets a victory over Angelos, uh, Martinez, And then we go back to the tournament. Claudio Estrade gets a victory over Sean Kermaine, um... This was, Cena, this was unfortunate. There was a lot of, There's a point taken from Cena, uh, it was ugly, it was, he tried to get himself back into it in the third round, Uh, Claudio was clearly hurt and wasn't able to be his best, and, uh, but he did enough thanks to the, uh, I can't remember what happened, but um, the point being taken, um, gets the victory over Cena, it would have been to the benefit of their audience if Cena could have got to the finals, but... Tis the game. Then we had Lucy gets a low kick victory over Ariel Machado. Machado did a good job of holding a strong face and battling through it, but uh, C was just vicious on those calf kicks. He was just staying with it. Uh, I think maybe um, uh, there was a check twice by Ariel Machado, but most of it was just all see hacking away and even if he was checked he'd still hack away he gets the stoppage in round two by low kicks the most important fight on the card for me and again not the best fight in the card that's coming up uh and not the championship fight that's coming up the most important fight on the card was seeing uh Kyokushin superstar uh, mikio uh, ueda get a victory over kg by tko um KG, of course, he had won the tournament around the cruiserweight. When I say that cruiserweight, I'm talking about a lot of promotions do weights between 185 to 200. uh, And KG had won one of those tournaments. Here, it was clear they did a great promotional package to get you excited for Ueda great promotional package talked about how one of you know Japan's great karate stars the heavyweight division talked about how he has all this potential talked about how you know showed pictures of him young um talked about how he loved K1 growing up like like they did a great job with the video but it was all going to be about what was the action going to look like and the action was dope when a landed a few low kicks just a few and I was like bro this guy is already killing this guy's legs. Like, just maybe three kicks in, I was like, KG's hey, in trouble. But way to use this to use some skills. He clearly had him hurt with the low kicks, but he kept stopping and taking moments where he played with the boxing. But he would add the flair. He'd add the axe kick. He'd add the, you know, the um, uh, uh, the, the way he shot his teeps, the way he snapped at the knee, the way that he buried the low kicks. Um, defense was all right. It could have been better. It was all right. But the main thing was he sent the statement. After he got KG hurt with the low kicks, he looked to try to go for the finish with boxing. And you could see that was new. Because, uh, of course, with the Kyokushin rules, it's the hardest form of karate. But the boxing to the body is, you know, there's no punches to the head. But there's kicks and knees to the head. So you could see he was working the boxing and trying to find the stoppage. He's going to just need more reps at it. But he did fantastic. If he was in a tournament tonight, there's a good chance he'd have won that tournament. Because he looked great. He was very, very talented. They got something. They got to keep building him. They got to bring in the right international guys. But Mikio Ueda, is, he could be the star for the future. Now, again, I think he's already in his 30s, so time is now. But with them being back, bringing in those international guys – just get him some good names, I think we'll be in good shape. But most important fight on this card was them showcasing and now developing and building on the success of Mikio Ueda. Very important. The best fight in the card by far is Ekihiro Kaneko over Musashi Kumura. Um it was just it was kick it was kickboxing at its best. There are times when I see a fight and I go, man. I want the world to see this, like I was talking about with uh, Taylor and Serrano. If you say you want somebody to see kickboxing and they sit down and this is the fight they see, they'll come away from it thinking, that was awesome. That's what I came away from this. Uh, both guys were good in the pocket. Both guys found uh, combinations and low kicks. The big advantage, I'd say, that separated was I thought Musashi uh, uh, Komura was extremely successful with his offense when he let it go. Kaneko just let it go way more just had way more opportunities Uh, he believed in his offense in the pocket Uh, he led the dance most of the time Uh, Musashi did have a period of time where he came back and he started to uh, work the calf kicks but Kaneko strong didn't show it at all Went right back to work with his boxing and his combo to kick game Um, he played basically twos most of the fight, every once in a while he'd sit on a three or a four, but most of the time he played with two-shot combos. Kaneko just did more. Uh, and they, they did a great job because both, it was 1-1 in the series. Again, such build. Japan is probably one of the best on the planet, just culturally, at doing presentations that build on the emotion and the why this is important and the uh, this is what you're watching and this is this side of it and this is the story. They did such a great job. The crowd was most into this fight out of all the fights in the cards. Just absolute fast, nonstop, wonderful action. Just the highest of level. Uh, good stuff by Caneco. Uh It was just awesome. Finally, we go to Lucy against Claudio Estrada. Here's my thing. This is how I knew it was going to happen in the fight. Lou looked stronger, like, and I was talking about it already. I was like, all right, let's see. see. looks wonderful. The only thing he needs, the only thing he needs is to put a stamp on this. He's already proved to be better. He's already stopped his other two guys. He needs to go out there and put a stamp on it. And I believe he walked to the ring first. So then here comes Claudio Estrada. I, can't, I could be wrong there, but I thought he did. When Claudio is making his walk down the stairs to get to the, to the ring, I knew he'd lost. He looked horrible. He looked like he could barely get down the stairs. Everything hurt him. He was wincing. He had a little bit of a skip to himself. I was like, bro, you got to be kidding me. This guy has no chance. And he didn't. Came out, got low kicked to death pretty quick. Uh, Lucy is your champion. How do you build on it? To to Lucy's credit, he made you feel the emotion of the victory. He was emotional. He screamed. Uh, It was something you could see like, you could see that K1 was something that he had seen before, and a play something that he wanted to be successful at, which is strange because it wasn't at its height when he would have been young. But the way he responded to that victory, it tells me that that meant something. Uh, he is not just talented; he has the look. You know, he's you know um, uh, ripped up, tall. They kept joking about how big is this guy. He has the look. And it all came together for him. And I was definitely just, how do you build on it? That's the big question. How do you build on it? So, next we're going to move on to the glory card. So, it was good action, as always. Um, going to go ahead and run through some of the results. I run through most of the results. May not break down every fight. Um, Diagali, Kamara gets a victory over Elias uh, uh, Shakir. 30-25, several knocks downs. Kamara's coming on, coming on. They're moving him the right way. Uh, You know, I noticed him. He was – I made a list of guys who I wanted Glory to sign, and then I saw that he was signed. I was like, oh, that saves me some time. But, like, he was – did a great job. He's – Moving into his prime, he's extremely, extremely skilled, uh, and he plays a different game, and that's very important. We don't need everybody to play combination low kick. We don't need everybody to play on the lead foot. We don't need everybody to play uh, clinch. We don't need everybody to be a brawler. We want a little bit of everything, and I like what Kamara brings to kickboxing. Elias Samache gets a victory over Florian Kroger. Uh, James Conde, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, uh, gets a victory over Jonathan Miezo. Uh, Nikola Todorovic. It's a victory over Kareem Gaji. Welcome back, Kareem Gaji. Um, did some, uh, I think he ventured to MMA a little bit. Uh, good to see his name here. He's an older guy. Uh, but, um, gadget boy, I, I, I love the break dancing. I love the, he, he was such a character. It didn't come together for him, uh, on the glory level. And, you know, he had some wins, but like most of you, the time you think about him and his career and how he came into the game and that once upon a time he had a, a huge K you know, KO, uh, um, over Atachi. Uh, I thought that it was going to be different but it's still solid career. Uh, Todorovic, that's what you gotta do. You get on the stage, you beat a guy who's been doing this for a while. Congratulations to you. Uh, you will move forward and let's see how they build you. Stefan Litescu uh, gets a victory over Pascal Torre. Uh, again, several lock knockdowns in the fight. Stefan looked really good, looked really, really solid in this. Let's see what he does moving forward. Dennis Wojcik gets a victory over Bergen uh, Poposhi. Close fight, split decision. Um, You never know sometimes with uh, five judges. The thing I like about five judges is it gives more people the opportunity to get it right if someone gets it wrong. And there's nothing you can do when something, you know, you've got three, three judges. Now again, of course it means there's more opportunity for more people to get it wrong, but normally a scorecard that can really change things is gonna happen with one or two. So the fact that you go to five, you get three people to get it right, you're gonna get the right winner, so. Nordin Mahadeen gets a victory over Uh, uh Kalabali, KO, head kick. Bro, this was one for my highlight at the end of the year. Uh, it happened on the break. Uh, Kabali actually had a decent score. And on his exit, uh, Mahadeen had threw the head kick. And I think, I just truly believe that Kalabali didn't think he could get hit in that moment. Just didn't think it was possible. It came right up and caught him right on the chin. The chin clear, big time KO. Uh it's one for the it's one for the the highlights. It was absolutely special, awesome high kick KO by Mahedine. Uh, you know, he's, but they're still in that super tough heavyweight division. No know what it means moving forward. Uh there's just so many tough guys in that division, but big time victory there. Tiffany Von Soest Next week I'm going to dedicate a show talking about where does she stand in the history? Because she's got a strong argument for being one of the best of all time. Um, but this was as great of a walk-off as you're going to have. And the main thing I liked about it it wasn't just that Tiffany Von Seuss got the victory, and Sarah Mosaddegh was determined to, she was ready for war, so she brought her best version of herself for here. But just Tiffany caught her with just the most subtle switch kick to the head. The thing that made it subtle was she didn't like do a big hip motion. She threw offense, and then she had a slight right step and then that was enough for her to snap the left leg up. Caught Sarah clean. Didn't see it coming at all. Big KO victory. Tiffany Von Seuss is your your your, your winner. Uh, if she has retired officially, uh, as she had said before, she said she had a number in her head of how many fights she wanted to do. Um, I was just happy for her. Tiffany Von Seuss, I've got her. Tiffany Von Seuss did my podcast before she was as big as she was now. Before she was in one championship, she was still in... Um, she was still in Lion Fight at the time, if I remember correctly. And I asked her to be in my podcast, and she hopped on. And uh, I remember the thing that she said was she sparred with Ronda. So then everybody kept asking, you know, like somebody took a clip of my podcast and just made it its own Tiffany talking about sparring with Ronda because that's how big Ronda was at the time. But I appreciated her for doing that, and it was cool to watch her move up, do better throughout the ranks, see her, you know, finally get the victory over Nissa Mexen. like I was there live for it. Uh, I was in the glory matchmaking team for most of her title run while she was there, but just awesome stuff. Big-time victory, and it came very Tiffany Von Seuss-ish. It wasn't the classic of a one-two. It was just subtle and snuck in there and bang, big-time shot. Congrats to her. If it's done, I hope she's got something that she wants to move into. Uh, I don't know if she's going to focus on mma or if she's gonna be a lawyer or if she's gonna be a doctor or if she's gonna just get a regular job or open a gym all i know is she made her mark on this sport while she was here and i'll talk about it more next week finally about Harry, uh and james mcsweeney do not fight Hari pulled out of the fight because he wanted to use it as a moment to put attention on the earthquakes in morocco um it was there's been some heartbreaking visuals to come from all that so definitely shout out to him for using the platform uh clearly there's some disappointment people were like hey you could have fought in honor of them beat james mcsweeney by ko and then said it a lot of people felt that way but you know i, I appreciate badahari for when i was doing my documentary you know 2011 and i asked him to do an interview on it, and he asked me what the interview was for and i said that i was using it to raise money for, at the time, with the earthquakes that were going on in Japan and other parts of the world at the time. And he said that he would do the interview. Uh, So I appreciated him doing that. So here, flash forward, this opportunity has come up again, and he's made that decision. So I'm excited uh, that they didn't have a long turnaround for him. He's fighting... The sixth, so two weeks away. So it's not like this happened. He's going to be out for another six months. He made this decision. Surprised they didn't go with McSweeney again, but made this decision, and here we are. <laughs> here we are moving forward, and uh, hopefully um, he'll be back to action. Uh, still still one of the biggest stars in the sport. You know, Hari's still the name even at this stage. So I'm going to go ahead and go to the uh, Rajah Stadium The big one, of course, is Yadwitcha beating, well, there's a famous one, but the big one of the two that I'm going to talk about here is Yadwitcha beating Daniel Rodriguez. I believe it's Daniel Rodriguez's first loss. He still was good, still was competitive, but Yadwitcha, very slick in this one. Uh, He was able to win the biceps a lot for the the clinch work, uh, able to score the kicks in space. Rodriguez was close in the distance, and you see the athleticism on the power when he lets it go. But I just felt like Yadwitcha was just ahead of him, just ahead of him. Had it figured out, was just a little bit savvier. Gets the big-time win here. I love the celebration. It looked like it meant something to Yadwitcha when he got the victory. Uh, And that's really, really awesome, so... Bukau at Yoshihiro Kido ends in a no contest due to an accidental headbutt. That no contest saved Kido because Kido was getting the absolute b- breaks beaten off of him. Bukau was on form. Bukau was, what I say, the most dangerous version of Bukau is exhibition Bukau. Because he's got to win by KO or else it's not going to count. Like, and so, of course, people were critical of him when he had the thing with Yoshihiro Sato. But here goes Yoshihiro Kido. And it was just all beat down in the corner. It's crazy how aggressive and how talented and how strong he is, even at 41, 42 years old. But Bokao, truly one of the all-time greats. Yoshio Okito, truly one of the all-time characters. Uh, it, it was awesome. Awesome to see. But this card and what I was talking about today and the length of the podcast I just did, i just kind of just been wrapping and letting it go kickboxing and muay thai we are back in a big way all the big promotions are putting on good shows everybody's putting on good content glory is going into a really busy season i believe they've got a show every month uh coming up which is dope which is where you want to be um of course we know one championship they're doing probably doing a show right now they're doing shows all the time but the big stars are getting the big attention so that's awesome awesome stuff there so one championship doing shows k1 back doing shows Said they're gonna do international they're back they did an international show they're building on it um we lose a women's star tiffany von Seuss. so i'm curious to see who fills that void but again it happened it came together and that's what you wanted to see so we got k1 going we got glory going uh we've got one championship going we are heading into the turn of returning the sport to what it used to be now again do not use the mixed martial arts barometer. The mixed martial arts has got the name brand in combat sports right now, UFC. Not going to be able to compete with name brand. Just like you could put on a great amusement park, but it's not going to be able to commit with Disney or compete with Disney World. The name brand, so powerful. So when you compare kickboxing, what you want to do is this: kickboxing, Muay Thai. Are the people who fight in it? are they getting regular opportunities and are they getting paid enough to make it their life? Is that something that they can make money off of? And I think we're moving more and more where more people are able to lift their hands and saying that they can do that. So we're in a really good place right now for kickboxing. Hopefully we can build on it. Uh, We've got the heavyweight grand prix coming in December uh, for both glory kickboxing and uh, K one. So man, it's just, it's just a fun time, fun time. So, God bless. Thank you guys for joining the podcast. Forgive me for the big breaks. Things are a little bit different for me since I adopted boys and more is just my head. I just keep overthinking things sometimes and I go, man, I want to look this way. I want to look this way. I want to say all this and I don't have enough time. I got to go pick up my boys or I got to clean this. I got to go work at the gym. I am working a fight right now and I'm in the hotel by myself with nothing to do until weigh-ins and I was like, I'm going to put out a podcast and talk about what's going on in the world of kick fighting so god bless if you've been on this ride with me i want to try to get this show regular so i need you guys do me a favor i need you to share start pushing this out and i'm going to start getting on this regular and i'll get back to things that i said i was going to do before start doing some more interviews start doing things to get the sport going so god bless thank you guys so much for your time and y'all have a good one